Today we're going to finish up our Weeds or Wheat series. Um, it's been uh, quite a journey for us as we've gone through the life of David and talked about his growth and our growth. And obviously we've been in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. So for the last time we're going to look at this together. It says this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Obviously, we've been talking about growth. We've been talking about how God uh, has this great plan for us and that this is a law of of nature that we need to understand. It it also is a law in our spiritual life that the things we plant, we're going to harvest. And if we plant the right things, we're going to harvest some great, awesome things. And one of the things that he wants us to to plant is this, uh, this idea of growth in us, this maturity in us that God wants to bring in our life. And again, for the last time possibly, just to pound it in. God wants you to grow and God helps you to grow. That is what we need to remember. God doesn't just say, hey, I want you to do this and you're on your own. God wants this in our lives and God provides ways to bring that about. And we've been studying the life of David, looking at his growth. And today, as we kind of close out this series, we're going we're gonna to close this out by looking at something that I believe, as we've been talking about, is something that can really, really help our growth. And this is something truly that I believe that if we, you know, sometimes people will say, well, how do I know I'm growing? How do I understand? that this is one of those measuring sticks that you can use to go okay I'm, I'm headed the right path or maybe I'm not growing the way I should or as, as, as much as I should this is one of those things that I believe is a really good measuring stick to help us to understand that so we're going to be in second Samuel this morning we're going to be in second Samuel starting with the seventh chapter and we're going to take up that scripture in just a moment but first I'd like to pray father we love you we thank you for this morning and this time God we're so thankful for for all that you are, all that you do. And God, I pray that you would just help us during this time. Help me to communicate the things you want me to communicate through your Holy Spirit. And God, that you would open the hearts of everyone here, uh, whether they're personally here right now physically or they're online. God, that you would open our hearts and allow your Holy Spirit to communicate the things that he desires to do in us this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at the story in David's life in 2 Samuel, starting with verse number 7. We're going to start with verse number 1. This is what it says. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace But the ark is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. In this story that we're going to be talking about today, David has kind of been uh, given a time of rest by God. He's given, David was a warrior and he fought a lot of battles. And in this portion of his life, God has kind of given him some rest. And, and basically, to give you an idea, David's sitting here in his palace. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the Ark of the Covenant coming back to Jerusalem. Well, that Ark has been sitting now in a tent for a while. And David's looking around and he's seeing this beautiful home that he's in, this beautiful palace. And he goes, wait a minute. This isn't right. This isn't good. Why am I in this palace? But the ark of God, literally the sea of God, is sitting in a tent. So he comes up with this idea of, hey, I, I, I gotta, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to build God 
a beautiful house that he can be in. You know, this, this sounds like a pretty good idea. I mean, this is one of those things you go, hey, yeah, that's, that makes sense. You know, you're in a tent. You're in a palace, David. I mean, what are you doing? This is God. Let's do something great. Let's do something mighty. And so we're going to pick up the story in 2 Samuel 7. Now, verse number 4. So he's called Nathan to him, and he said, hey, I got this idea. And Nathan has even said, hey, hey, man, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. And this is what happens. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord has declared. So right now, we're going to kind of cease Nathan's words and hear God's words, okay? Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherd of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? This morning, what we're going to be talking about is something important, something that, that you will face as a believer. And it's something that we don't usually talk a lot about, but it's something I think that's very important, and that's simply this. What do you do when God says no? What do you do when God says no? That is an important question to ask. Because in this story, David has a pretty great idea. This is, this is not David going, hey, I think I should build something better for me. He wants to do something for God. His motives are good. His motives are right. And he's getting. All, and here's what's even, even, uh, even more important about this in some ways. He calls Nathan. The prophet. And Nathan's like, yeah, man, go for it. This is great. I mean, Nathan doesn't pray about it. He doesn't ask God. He just says, yeah, yeah, do it, man. God's with you. Whatever you want to do. And that night, God speaks to Nathan and basically says no. This morning, what we're going to talk about is that concept. What do you do? How do you handle the no? But the first thing we want to look at is this. Why did God say no to David's request? Okay, like I, I've, I've, I've looked at this and I've studied this and, and, and I think it's important that we understand why there's a no there. Okay, I, I've learned something as a parent and I've learned something as I've taught parents how to parent. And one of them is this, it's sometimes it's not enough just to tell your kid no, especially as they get older, especially as when I was a youth pastor helping parents deal with their teenagers. Because sometimes what we do as parents is we want to just look at our kids and just say, no. And they say, well, why? And they say, because I'm the parent. And, and as we get older, as our kids get older, they need a little bit more than that. Because we have good reasons, we just have to communicate them. And so we need to start by looking at this. Why did God say no to David's request? God didn't just say, no, because I'm God. He actually begins to give David some reasons here. And I think we can learn a little bit from them. Because when God tells us no, we typically don't, let's be honest, we typically don't go, okay, God, and we go on. We typically ask this little one-word question. We usually say, why? So why didn't God want this to go on? The first thing we want to look at is this. David's request showed a misunderstanding of God himself. 
okay? Now, I want you to hear this because I think this is an important little nugget that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. Most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time when God has said no to me, it's because of this reason. I have not really understood the heart of God on the matter. I have really not really understood what God's mindset is on it. Because in my mindset, it's, this is a great idea. I mean, let's be honest. We know when we ask God for the things that probably aren't necessarily in his plan for us. But sometimes the hardest no's are when in our mind we go, well, this makes sense. This is justified. God, look what I'm going to do for you. And in that, we misunderstand who God is. Because here's the thing to understand, okay? We have to look back at what God intended because what we are living with into extent, and especially at David's time, was a world that was not what God wanted, okay? When God said everything was very, very good, God didn't have a house, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the morning or of the day. Sin came and sin brought separation. Okay? It's interesting to me that when Jesus comes and he pays the price, what happens to the curtain in the temple? It's ripped from top to bottom. There is a separation that sin brings, but because of the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus that has been torn away, there's a reason why you and I today don't go to a temple and, and, and no, that's where God lives. God is everywhere. And because of the blood of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, what can we do? We can walk boldly into the presence of God. I truly believe that God's plan was never a temple. God's plan was to be with his people. We talked about it in Revelation. What's, what do we see at the very end? God is with his people. God has got a closeness there. David thinks, oh, I need to build God this house. God's like, listen, listen, that's not what I want. My plan, my desire is to be close, to be with my people. And his desire has not changed. Sometimes when God says no, we need to maybe understand that our idea is not God's idea. What God's idea is, is always, listen, hear me here. God's idea is always better than yours. Always. That's not a knock on you or a knock on me. That's just, a, that's just an unbelievably understanding how awesome God is. And the plans that God has. The second thing, the second thing, and, and this may sound very simple, but God hadn't asked David to build a house for him. He, he says it in the scripture. Listen, I could have at any point said, hey, I want a house. This is God. If God, listen, if God says build a house, you build a house. But he's completely cool with this situation. Now listen, later on, the house is built. But right now, God has not asked for that to take place. God wants what is going on to happen, okay? And here's the thing. When we understand why sometimes God says no, we've got to understand that sometimes it's a misunderstanding of who he is. And listen, if God wants something to happen, God will speak to you and help you, okay? And that's, that, that means, I, I, why do I say that? I want that to be a comfort to you guys, I know it's a comfort to me, okay? Because here's what's interesting about this first part of the story that we read. At no point does David or Nathan ask God. They just say, hey, this is a great idea. Listen, 
in, in how, you, how you live your life, how we want to basically lead this church. Listen, we want to do and we want to go where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do. Okay? And that needs to be our desires in all of our lives. So now we're going to continue on. Now listen, I know this morning we're going to look at some, some, some big chunks of Scripture. Okay? But I, I wanted it all there because I wanted us to get the magnitude of this understanding, okay? So again, it's going to be a little bit long. We're going to be in eight verses, but we're going to look at 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 16. So we're going to pick up the story right where we left off, okay? So this is God speaking. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. So once again, now we see God's view on this, okay? He said, listen, you don't need to do that. Listen, I haven't asked you to do that. And now he continues. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture, pasture and selected you to be leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them and, and they've done as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Now let's go on to verse number 12. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. And I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Man, we are just about, we are, we're in the Christmas season. And it's interesting that as you study the Christmas season, as you look at who Joseph and Mary are, guess what? They're, they're, they're in the line of King David. This, and this is in your notes, this verse, these verses here, they contain what is commonly known as the Davidic covenant. In them, and catch this, in them, God is communicating that he has much more in store for David than he ever imagined. Man, I love this. What's David going to do? David, I'm going to build you a house, God. I want to do. That's what God says. God says no. God says no, but then he begins to just say, but listen to what I am going to do for you. How awesome are God is. How awesome our God is. If you begin to study this and you begin to look at these portions of scripture, it is just amazing the blessing that God is pouring out on his servant David. He's just saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm gonna, you. You wanted to do this for me, but I'm going to do this for you. Even in the midst of a no, God begins to pour out his blessing and his promises to David. So this is a big moment. 
This is an important moment in the life of David, and we need to look at it. So we ask this question, what did David do with the no? What did David do with the no? Nobody likes to be told no. What can we learn from David's response? Well, let's pick it up now in 2 Samuel 17. In 2 Samuel 17, we're going to scout another portion of Scripture. And again, I'm, I know it's a lot, but let's read through it together because I believe it's important that we understand David's response. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in his vision. Okay? Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed. Okay? So this is God, this is David's response, not just to God. You need to check this. Not just to God, but to the no of God. Okay? God said no here. Now, obviously, God said a lot of other wonderful things, but God did say no to David's plan. But this is what David responds to God. Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting destiny? Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. What's that mean? Let me stop there. What's that mean? David's basically saying, hey, I got problems. I got issues. I'm not perfect. Okay? But even, even, even with that situation, because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is none like you. We have never, ever heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from, from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles, drove out the nations and gods that stood in, in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever and you, O oh Lord, became their God. And now, O oh Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever. So that everyone will say the Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O oh Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all these things to your servant saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings, for you are God. O sovereign Lord, your words are truth and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that in it you may, it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Goodness gracious. What's David's response? We're going to look at three things. The first thing, David responds to God in worship. David respond. Listen, David understands something here. It's not about the perfection of David. It's not about that David's this great, awesome king. It's that David understands who the real king really is. And he looks and he goes, God, you are awesome. Listen, we need to understand something, okay? We need to get this through our noggins if we can. God doesn't bless us. God doesn't do amazing things and promise all these wonderful things because you are so great. He does it because he is so great. 
during this season of, of thankfulness and giving and all these things. Listen, all the blessings that we have. Listen, we need to understand something. We didn't do this, oh, well, you know, I did A, B, C, and D, and therefore God did this. We need to understand God is doing these things because God is so awesome. God is so great. And we need to respond in worship to him because of his greatness, because of his love, because of his mercy, because of what he has done. And that's what David does. He begins to worship God. Worship God. The second thing, David understands that God is in control. God is in control. You notice something here, and it's interesting. Now, I, I, I looked in a couple versions, you know, I, and, and so please understand the versions I were looking at. It said this, so, so maybe if you go counting and go, oh, well, he was wrong. The version I was looking at, your, your, your version of the Bible may be different, but what I was finding was I found a repeated couple of words throughout David's response. You know what they are? Oh, sovereign Lord. Okay? Now, here's what's interesting about that. I counted him saying that seven times. Nothing in the Bible is there by accident. Nothing. God knows what he's doing. What's that word seven represent? It's the number of completion. What does the sovereignty of God really mean? When, when David is saying that, when he's saying, oh, sovereign Lord, what's he really saying? Listen, to simplify it, here's what I really believe it means. David is basically saying, God, you are in control. You are in control. Man, listen, if there was ever a time in our world, in our lives, that we need to be praying, oh, sovereign Lord, it's right now. God's in control. What's that mean? It means that sometimes our plans and God's plans aren't going to match up. And in that moment, we need to say, you know what, God? You're in control and take our hands off of our plans and embrace God's plans. Because God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Listen, we don't know what we're going to have for lunch today. But God knows it all. God knows everything. Listen, I think it would make a little more sense for us to trust God's plan than ours. But you know what we do? I do it too. We think we know better. Sometimes we need to embrace that in the know. We need to be able to go, like, you know what, God? You're in control. Go, you know what, God? You know best. You know best. And we need to do that just like David did. But David understood one other thing that really goes along with that understanding that God is in control. And it's this. David also understands that God has the authority to do these things. Okay? Listen, when you understand the sovereignty of God, it's not just understanding that God is in control. It's also understanding that God has the authority to be in control. Okay? There's a lot of us that think we have sovereignty, we have control, and that's great and fine and dandy, but we don't have the authority of those things. But God does. David understood that. When he's saying, oh, sovereign Lord, he's not just saying, God, you're in control, but God, you have the authority to be in control. You can back it up. And that's important to understand. David got that. So in this no moment, you know, there's no situation, we see David understanding these things, which is awesome and important because at the beginning of our story, we see that David doesn't necessarily understand this certain aspect of God. But he grows in this story. And now he begins to understand some things more about God that he wouldn't have if God had just said yes. One thing we need to understand about the no's, okay? 
The no's a lot of times are there for lots of reasons, but one of them is we grow a lot in the no's, okay? God sometimes says no for a lot of reasons, but we grow in the no's a lot. So let's, let's kind of look at some application here as we look at kind of our last section or our last point, how to navigate the no's in our lives. How do we navigate the no's? Because listen, they're going to come. You're going to have no's, okay? You're going to have no's. How do we navigate it, okay? How do we navigate it? How do we learn from David, and how do we apply these things to our own life? Number one, number one, we need to look for God's grace. We need to look for God's grace in the no. Okay, we need to look for God's grace in the no. Aaron, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I want to ask you a question, and, and I would think that, 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 that we've all experienced this, but I would say that, that those of us that are a little more uh, older in years have probably experienced this a little bit more. Uh, uh, but I know I've experienced these things where I think, in some ways, to make sense of this, I'll be like, God, I think I should go right. God, I think I should go right. God, I believe in my heart that I should go right. God, I should go right. God, I'm going right. God, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right. And God says, no, Aaron, go left. No, 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 God, God, look at right. Right looks so good. Look at right. Oh, it's right. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's right. See, it's, 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 I'm going right, and it's right. It's God. God. Aaron, go left. God, no, no, no. I want to go right. God, look at right. Aaron, go left. Fine. I'll go left. And then I go left. And then guess what happens? I realize, oh, Lord, thank you that your grace kept me from going right. Listen, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that, like, time is very important to me. And I'm not like, talking about time like with people, even though that is, but like time is very, it's like we have to leave at this time, you know, I, this is schedule and, 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 and all those things. And, and I've, I've, I've learned in my own life that, that sometimes my schedule gets slightly altered because of God's grace. I've experienced in my life before where and maybe you've experienced something similar to this, where basically it's like, I got to get out the door. I got to get someplace. Where are my keys? I, or, or this, this is kind of showing my age a little bit. But I've gotten to the point now where um, I always put my keys in a certain place. But now I've gotten to the point at times where I'll get into the car. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And I forgot my keys on the key hook. You know, that's, that's not a good sign for me, you know. So I'll have to get out of the car, go back, grab my keys. You know, it takes an extra 30 seconds. You know, but I've, I've actually seen in my life where, where there's been a situation where I got delayed or something. Something happened. I forgot my keys or, or I needed something in the house or I couldn't find something. And, and I come up later on, you know, to an accident, car accident, you know. Or, and, and I always think, I, one of the things I think we're going to experience when, in eternity is, is God ever once in a while saying, hey, come here. You remember that time you forgot your keys and man, you were frustrated. And I'm like, yeah, God, I do. He's like, well, this is what would have happened if you'd been on time. And the things that God saves us from 
and the things that God does because we think we know better. But listen, we can trust the grace of God. We can trust the plan of God because once again, God's plan is so much better. Look in your notes. It says this, in David's mind, he was going to build a structure that would last for mm, hundreds of years, maybe hundreds of years. In God's mind, he was going to build a dynasty that would last forever. Listen, no matter what you think you can do, no matter what your plan is, I promise you God's plan is greater, God's plan is better, and if we will embrace his plan, God will do something amazing. God will do something amazing in us. And basically, I mean, can you imagine if David said, you know what, God? No, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it my own thing. Listen, I do not believe that God would have stopped David. He said, all right, David. You want to do it your own way? You go ahead, man. But you know what I would say? I would say, I don't know if the promise would have been as wonderful as it was when David embraced and yielded to God's plan. Okay? Listen, I, listen, I love in Scripture, and it's there, where God basically says, it has not entered into the mind or the heart of man what I have in store for those that love me. You, you, may give, you may give you the AJNV version of that. If you can dream it up, it's not good enough. If you can think it up, God's like, <laughs> you just wait what I got for you. Goodness gracious. When we can understand that, and understand, listen, David wanted to build a place. David wanted to build a building. And God said, listen, I want to build a kingdom that will last forever. That'll last forever. So look for the grace in the no. Look for that. Look for that. Number two, identify the opportunity. Identify the opportunity. Because here's what's interesting about that. And maybe this will come as a shock to some of you. You can't do it all, okay? You cannot do it all, okay? So when God says no, that's important because what that does is something that you need to understand. It's in your notes. When God says no, it eliminates something that opens up opportunities for something else. Sometimes we want to do everything. And God's like, listen, no, I'm going to eliminate some things. I don't want you to do it all. I don't have you to do it all. I want to eliminate some things so you can focus in on what I want to say yes to. What's great about this story is David was told no to the building of the house, but he was said yes to the building of a dynasty. God says no to this, but he says, listen, I want to show you what I want you to do. I want to give you an opportunity to do something to yes. Listen, what we tend to do, we'll talk about this in just a minute, is God says no and we shut down because no one likes the no. When we hear God say no, we need to be thankful saying God said no to this, but God, what are you going to say yes to? What are you going to say yes to? Because God wants us to be busy for his kingdom and sometimes God has to eliminate things before we're ready to focus in on the opportunity okay so when God says no 
focus in. Okay, God, you say no to this. Thank you for that no, because, because I know that you have something better for me. Thank you for that no, because I know you have a better plan for me. So God, illuminate in me, show me through your Holy Spirit what you want to say yes to. What you want to say yes to. Number three, we need to focus our worship. We need to focus our worship. Why is this important? Okay, and I kind of alluded to it just a few seconds ago. Listen, when this takes place, no one likes to hear no. Nobody does, okay? And we can feel very rejected by God. We can feel very like, oh, well, I guess, I guess I'm not good enough to do this. Or I, I, I didn't hear God. Or, or God doesn't think I'm good enough to do that. Listen, in those moments, in those moments, it's very easy to detach. It's very easy to feel like we're not good enough or we're not strong enough or, or whatever. Listen, this is in your notes. If we don't focus our worship on God, we can detach from God instead of depending on God. Okay? But when we, go, if we, if we follow David's example and begin to praise and begin to worship and begin to thank God, what we're doing in that moment is we're realizing the greatness of God. Okay? not the greatness of us. We're understanding that God can do so much more in us and through us than we can do on our own. And what's great about this, listen, I could have put this, but it was getting long. Listen, when we worship, it, 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 it takes us from a detachment to a dependency, okay? When we don't, it, 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 it flips, okay? I would say, listen, if, if you are feeling somewhat detached from God, begin to worship him. Begin to call out his name. Begin to understand how great he is and what he has done for you and me. But focus your worship. Look at Psalms 42.11. In Psalms 42.11, this is what David is saying. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? David is, he's, oh, why am I so miserable? Why am I, you know, it's, it's that feeling of no. It's that feeling of, oh man, I just, I missed it. I didn't do it right. Or, or God said no to me. I must not be good enough. And all, all these feelings that we, we can sometimes have. But listen to what he, how he finishes. He says, but put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He, instead of focusing in on the detachment, on the sadness, on the rejection, which sometimes we can feel, instead he focuses in on the hope and the greatness that is our God. The final one, embrace the mission. Embrace the mission. Listen, I want to show you a quick story in Acts 16 to really help you understand this. In Acts 16, verse number 6, it says this, okay? This is, this is the, where Paul and Silas are, are trying to figure out kind of what God has next for them. It says, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Figra and Galatia, but because, but because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Then coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north for the province, boy, these are tough, of Bithna. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mishnah to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Okay, what takes place in these verses? Okay, let me simplify it because some of these names I butchered, I'm sure, and they're hard to understand. Let me give you a basic cliff notes version. Paul and Silas are trying to figure out what God has next for them. So they come up with this idea. Hey, listen, let's go to Asia. Let's go on a missionary journey to Asia. Let's preach the gospel to Asia. And God says no. God says no. So they go, okay, okay. So God says no. Okay, uh, well then, uh, how, about, how about basically what is modern-day Turkey? Let's go to modern-day Turkey, okay? That sounds great. Oh, God, God will love that. Yeah, there are people there that need to know. And what's God say? God says no. God says no to Asia. God says no to Turkey. Now, I don't know what Paul and Silas must have been feeling right now, but I bet you they're kind of sitting there going, man, what? seriously, God? Well, okay, we'll just sit here? Yeah, they just sat there. Isn't that wonderful? I'll be honest, I could do a whole message on just that. God says no, and they say, okay, and they sit. They wait. What happens? What happens? Do you remember what it said in the scripture? They go to sleep. Paul has a dream. When do you normally dream? When you're sleeping. When do you normally sleep? Well, let me ask you this. When do you not normally sleep well? God, what am I doing? God, what's going on? God, uh, I don't know what to do. God, you keep saying no. I, I, can't, I can't sleep. I can't figure this out. God, but, 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 but. Paul and Silas are so at peace with the no that they're sleeping. I told you, I get a whole message on this whole right thing. And they have a dream. And God says yes to Greece. And just so you know not to get into it, but a lot of your Bible, guess where those churches are? They're in Greece. You see, Paul and Silas could have sat there and gone, you know what, God, you just keep saying no, and I'm just going to have a fit about it, and I'm going to be upset, and I'm not. They rested in the peace of God. And then when God said yes, they embraced the yes, they embraced the mission, and literally a ton of our Bible is letters, epistles to those churches that are literally making an impact and ha since they were written down. Listen, God's no's are important because they open up God's yeses and God's yeses, when they come, we got to embrace them. We need to grab them and run with them and go, God, you know better than I do and God, your plan is awesome and you need to catch this as the worship team comes up. Listen, hear this. Your growth process can be helped or hindered by how you respond to no. How you respond to no. I started this message and I kind of mentioned, you know, this is one of those measuring sticks that we have in our lives. A lot of times, and I think this is good, we need to understand this and catch this. Um, you know, I'll have people say, well, how do I, how do I know I'm growing? Or how do I, and, and, and there's lots of ways. Okay, there's lots of ways to know, am I maturing or am I growing and, and, and those sort of things. And one of them uh, is this idea of what do you do when God says no? You know, because listen, I mean, God, God said no to David. God said no to Moses. God said no to Paul and Silas. God said no to Peter. I mean, you begin to look at all the no's in scripture. There's a bunch of no's. There's a lot of times where God says no to us. 
And how we respond to that is important. If we can understand, oh yeah, God said no here, but God is going to open up and God's going to say yes here. And when God says yes here, I'm going to grab it and run with it because God knows what he's doing. Listen, you need to understand this understanding in this story as we kind of wrap up this whole series. David thought he had this great idea. And listen, David has some ideas, and they're great. And God says yes. Listen, as, as a leader of a group of people, there is nothing, well, not nothing, let me phrase it. I love it when God says yes. I love it when, when, when I feel like God's moving it and I say, God, is this, is this? And he's like, yeah, man, go, 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 run with it. Yes, absolutely. It's hard when God says no. Just speaking for myself, I'll, I'll just be just completely honest. I, I feel like a failure when God says no. I feel like, God, how, 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 I'm supposed to be doing this or that. How, how can you say no? I, I, you know, and a lot of times the other thing is, is, you know, it's hardest when the no's seem like it would make sense. But in those moments when God says no, we can really see where we are in our growth. David could have sat down and had a hissy fit. Instead, he yielded to the no and accepted God's no and God did something so much greater than David could ever imagine. When God says no to you, we got to yield to it. And what's great about God is God doesn't just say no to say no. He's got a purpose. And listen, I, I, as I was looking at this this week, I, I, sometimes I try to put my mind into maybe what somebody would be thinking if they were hearing this. And so maybe you're not thinking this, but I definitely thought it. It's like, yeah, Aaron, this is really easy for David. God said no. And right after that, God basically said, but I'm going to do all this. So, you know, when God tells me no, he doesn't say all that stuff to me. And I get that. I don't have a prophet that's going to basically come and say, hey, hey, listen, God's saying no to you, but listen to what God's got. That doesn't happen to me. And you're right, it doesn't happen to me either. But we have something even better than a prophet. We have the Holy Spirit to listen to. We have the Holy Spirit to lean on. David didn't have that like we have that today. So yeah, I get it. It seems easier for David in this moment. But when we put our hope and our trust in God, when God says no and we seek him and follow him, God will say yes to something amazing, so much better than what we could have ever dreamed of before. So let's, let's kind of, let's just begin to pray. Those that are online, if you just would quiet your hearts and those that are here. I just want to pray with you and over you because I think this is a big, this is a, I really feel like this is a great way to end this series. You know, and, and I, I kind of took it out of order because um, I, I thought this was a good way to end it as we move forward understanding that what we plant, we will reap and that God wants us and will help us to grow. I want to ask you a question. And, I, I, and this, this, you need to look back a little bit because sometimes when God says no, it lingers 
for a while in our hearts. But is there something that God said no to? Maybe it was, hey, I, I, I want to marry this person, or I, I think this is the person God has for me, and, and God came and, and said no. He said, no, that's not, that's not the person I have for you. And now you're, you know, it's, it was Thanksgiving and, and you, were, you didn't have a spouse or you didn't have somebody. Man, that can be a hard moment to, to, to accept the no. Maybe there was something you were planning, some ministry or some, some, some important thing at, whatever, at work or whatever. And, and you were all excited. This is going to be great. And, all the, and God said no. And you've kind of lived there. The problem with the no is we tend to kind of make that our home for a while. We detach from God. And listen, I want to tell you, listen, if you have been living in Noville, it is time to move, okay? God told you no because he loves you. God told him you no because he's got a better plan than you could dream of. But listen, you got to embrace the yeses and, and, say, and, and yield to the no's. You got to do it. If not, you'll live in Noville for a long, long time. And that's not what God has for you or for me. We need to understand that. So listen, if that's you and you're in no right now, it is time to pack up and it's time to move. Say, Aaron, how do I do that? Simple. We go to God and we basically say, God, we say exactly what David, oh, sovereign Lord. You know what you're doing and I don't. God, you have a plan that's great, not because I am great, but because you are great. We begin to worship. We begin to understand that God knows best. And we begin to look for the yeses. You see, you can't find the yeses if you're living in the no's. And for others, maybe we've, we've had the no, and now it's time to find the yes. It's time to stop focusing on the no and say, you know what? I am looking forward to what, God, you're going to say yes to. So, God, I am going to begin to search again. I'm going to begin to look to you. I'm going to call out to you. God, where is the yes for me? What is the yes plan for my life? Whatever it is, God, I want to embrace that. And I want to run with that because, God, your plan is better than mine. Listen, there's so many people I come in contact with that settle for the no's and they live in the no's. When God says, listen, I got some yes promises for you. I got some dynasties that I want to instill in you and in your family. But listen, you got to understand that you got to put aside the no's and embrace the yes. Even when we don't understand why the no came. And even at times we feel like we don't deserve the yes. We need to embrace it. And we, in those moments, man, we can see where we're growing. Man, we can see where we're at. And that's what God wants to do in you and in me. So let's pray. Father, right now we come to you. And God, right now I pray if there are people that are living in a no, that Father, they would release it. Father, that they would let it go. That they would put aside, as we talked about, as John talked about, the shame that can sometimes come with a no. The rejection that can come from a no. Listen, the shame and rejection, those things are not of you, God. They're not of you. And we bind them. We cast them out. We say those things have no place in our hearts because those things are not true. A no is not a rejection from you. A no is just simply a redirection from you. It's what it is. 
And so, Father, I pray if there are people, I don't care if it was yesterday, I don't care if it was 30 years ago, that have lived in the know. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, they pack up and move because you never intended for them to live there. You never intended for them to live there. And instead, Father, they will say, they will be thankful for that no. They will celebrate that no because your plan, what you're going to say yes to is going to be awesome. And God, I can stand here with confidence knowing that there is a yes for every person on this planet. There is a yes for us. And sometimes you'll use the no to get us to find the yes. Father, for those that are searching for the yes, God, I pray a new hunger, a new desire, a new, uh, just, just, God, I'm going to figure this out. God, I'm going to move for you. I'm not going to let this be a moment of stagnation, but I am going to let this be a moment and a time where I'm moving ahead to find the great, awesome yes that you have for me in my home, in my family, in my community, in my world. Because David yielded to the no and embraced his yes we still see the promises of God being fulfilled because we have a savior came from the line of David whose kingdom will never end God when you give us yeses when you give us promises you blow ours out of the water because you are so great and good. So Father, let us embrace that together. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a closing chorus. Father, God, as we come to you and as we close this series, 
God, I pray that for every single person that's here online, myself, that all of us, God, will begin, if we haven't already, to begin to plant some great things. That we will begin to plant those things. And, and we need to understand, just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, when we plant those things in good soil, Jesus, you bring a harvest 10, 30, 50, 60, 100 times what we plant. We don't make it grow like that. We just simply plant the right stuff and then you do an amazing work. So Father, as we close this up, God, I pray that those words of growth, that understanding that you want us to grow and you help us to grow will be cemented in our heart and in our life. That this will be a, a, a moment in time in us that we take maybe a slight turn and we begin to say, you know what? I need to start taking responsibility for my growth in Jesus. I need to begin to plant better things so that I can harvest a crop of righteousness and of some awesome, amazing things that God, you have in store for us and for me. So God, help us to do that. Help us to embrace the know and the growth and all the things that you want us to do. Thank you for allowing David to go through these things so that even in the triumphs, even in the tragedies, we can learn and grow just like he did. So that one day, if we haven't already, you can look at us and say, that is a man after my own heart. That is a woman after my own heart. Not because of our perfection, but because of our persistence, because of our desire to do all we can to grow and be more like you. And you'll help us do it. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. Hope everybody here had a great Thanksgiving. And listen, if you haven't heard it yet, you're going to hear it the next couple weeks. Merry Christmas and enjoy this season of hope and of love. We'll start our Christmas series next week. And I'm really excited. So be with us here on, online or in service, whatever you're comfortable with. We'll see you there. Love you. Have a great week.